welcome back to another episode of Raging Workaholics. People are going to start to think that Miles doesn't exist anymore. Fourth episode with a guest speaker. We Today we got Matt Bosch in the house. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. So uh, Matt and I get to be business partners. Uh, he's a client of Light, his construction company, and he was Miles' football coach. So we'll dig into that a little bit. Um in, in just a minute before we get to our topic. Uh, and I, Matt, do you take care of your own lawn? Uh, I do. I didn't used to, but I, I normally do now, which is a uh, not my favorite thing to do at all. So I probably should uh, find someone to do that for me. But as of <laughs> right now, uh, that is something that I do or I uh, pawn off to my four kids. I was going to say, uh, you got kids who are perfectly capable of doing all the things I could just see driving by the Bosch house, having the boys uh, in the lawnmower, uh, Miles pulling weeds out of the rocks, and uh, Kirby spraying some simple on solutions on the lawn. Yeah, uh, I probably need uh, some uh, some materials to help them do those things. Um but yeah, and but you know, Sarah, sometimes in our business, there's a billion things going on and we're on the phone constantly. And once in a while, you you like to go do mindless things, like yeah. drive the lawnmower around. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I will throw them off the lawnmower and do that myself. <laughs> there you go. Get some reprieve from there you the go. business world. Yeah, yes. And being that you live in the country doesn't mean you can just skip looking at your lawn because... No, we live close enough to people where when my dandelions um, seed out and spray into their yard, that's still looked down upon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. So you can go to simpleonsolutions.com and get some things to kill your dandelions and make your lawn lush and green so that the kids want to play and or if you need a stress break you can go mow it and my neighbors will love me yes i'm in (laughs) all right so when we were thinking about what should matt and i talk about i um the reason that i know miles is because matt was already a client of mine and he's like this guy He's actually starting to try and make a business, not just be a guy who makes videos. So he might need some help. So Matt actually introduced me to Miles a couple of years ago, um, and that's how Miles and I got to know. How do you, how did you meet Miles? Oh man, I've known Miles since he was just a wee little boy. Honestly. A wee little man. <laughs> he was a, I think, a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. when I moved back to Fargo, and I was a. I'm a uh, addict to football coaching. Uh-huh. I can't get away from it. So when I when I moved back in 2008, I uh, coached at Shanley, where he was going to school, and uh, he was the the starting quarterback mm-hmm. for Shanley. So I got to coach him back then, and for the next like eight years as well. <laughs> That's how long it took him to graduate high school. Is eight years? Yeah, yeah you <laughs> can see it. You guys know him. He's a special one. Yeah, he's special. <laughs> no, he. Uh, I coached him at Shanley. Then. Uh, uh, the head coach at Shanley went on to MSUM uh-huh. and, uh, that's where miles ended up. And I, uh, I got talked into coming over there as well. So oh, I got to perfect. coach him all through, uh, through most of his high school career and all of his college career. That's so, awesome. And yeah, for some people, it was awesome for, <laughs> <It was awesome laughs> for miles, <laughs> maybe just average for you. Oh, that's great. What, so what I wanted to dig in today is what are some of the principles that make a good coach that also transition into business? So whether you're a leader in business or just a coworker and how can you use some of those, um, coaching tactics, sure. if you will, to win at business. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, there's, there's so many parallels. It's, it's hard to know where to start. Yeah. Um, but as you know, me or I usually start is it's vision. Mm-hmm. Um, just like in the coaching world, you get a vision for what your program is going to be and what it's about and what it stands for. So that's the, 
you know, the, the mission of what you're trying to become. Um, yeah. And we always talked about it at MSU and we've talked about this many times is when we, when we realized this, we kind of stumbled upon it that uh, we didn't have much mm-hmm. when we went over there to MSU. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did have was ourselves and we thought we were different. So that's what we sold to the, to the players. Yeah. You know, in the, not like high school where you, you get what you get. Um, believe it or not, even at private schools like Shanley, mm-hmm. we didn't uh, get to recruit kids. Yeah. If we did, we didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> right. But, if some people do it, you were the exception. Yeah. 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 Um, but so we got kids that are, uh, that were there in college, you recruit the kids. Yeah. So when we got there, we got there late and uh, we had crappy facilities. We didn't have much scholarship money mm-hmm. to put it in perspective. We had nine and a half scholarships in the um, 27 was the conference maximum hmm. and everyone else had probably 23 to 27. Right. So we had no money. Mm-hmm. We had bad facilities. We had ugly uniforms mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff kids want. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have any. Of that. <laughs> so we uh, were like, Here's well, a crap space. So we were like sitting out. around going, well, why would anyone come here? Yeah. And we, we were like, well, it had to be us. Mm-hmm. So we had to be different. And yeah. So that's what we set out to do is to figure out as a program, like who we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then try to find kids that wanted that mm-hmm. and be so distinct that they either wanted to come there or they're like, oh, hell no, mm-hmm. I, I'm not coming here. Mm-hmm. So we, so that's what we did. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a, a great parallel in business is mm-hmm. when you're so distinct um, to your employees, to your customers, that they're kind of like, I want to work with those guys or, or I don't. Mm-hmm. I think you've really accomplished something. And Yeah, I think that's super important because then they'll tolerate some of the other things that maybe aren't as good. So sure. if I have a really great relationship with me as a customer service person or whatever, I'll be I'll have a little more grace if the technology isn't where it could be. If I had a different um, vendor that technology was great, but customer service yeah. is bad. Yeah, when you're part of the club, when you believe in something together, mm-hmm. yeah, you have a lot more you know, leeway to make mistakes, yeah. you know, especially if you own those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And again, when you're part of the team, part of the club as a, as a customer too, I think that is invaluable to, to, to stick to, um, something with someone. Um, so that's what we did is we set out to establish like who we are mm-hmm. and uh, to make it obvious to, to recruits that, Hey, you either love this or you don't. And we literally said, if you don't love it, you should go somewhere else. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. Being confident in your differentiator. For sure. hundred percent. Yeah. I like that. So casting vision. So important. What else? Yeah. It's, uh, it's casting vision. Um, and like any business and any coach, it's how you treat people. Yeah. You know, the old school, um, coach that I I didn't really have one, I guess. Um, (laughs) but I, but but we've seen them on TV and or are aware that they exist. (laughs) They exist. They still do today and they have forever. You know, the coach is like, you'll do what I say because I say it because I'm the coach, Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of leaders still like that today. Yeah. And no one likes that. No. You know, no one likes to go, if I don't do it, I'm going to get punished. Mm-hmm. You know, that sucks. That mm-hmm. sucks for coaching. That sucks for life. That sucks for marriage, for friendships. Right. Just, no one likes that. Mm-hmm. So to be a, to be a coach or a leader, you know, that inspires someone to do something, mm-hmm. um, that's what it really takes to get the most out of people. Cause you can get, a certain amount out of fear you can, Mm -hmm. um, but you can't get everything out of fear. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it it sounds cliche, but when you, when you love someone, they'll do a lot more for you than when they fear you. Yes. So that's what we set out to do as coaches and in Mm -hmm. the business world. I mean, I'm the exact same way. I'm, I'm still coach Bosch in the business world, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And try to inspire people with, you know, vision, um, and caring about them. So they feel important. They feel 
valued as, you know, so many studies show that the number one reason people stay in a business is because they feel valued, Mm -hmm. uh, not to do with how much they're paid, Mm -hmm. which also is important to do in today's world. But if you can be a a coach and a leader that inspires through caring about people and loving them, Mm -hmm. I think it, it just goes so much further than just, you'll do it because I say you'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone hates that. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work anymore. No. How do we uh, change that mentality um, in the leadership world? So not saying that it's dominant because I don't know what percentage are more um, that commander kind of can, um, personality versus an inspiration. Sure. But if you if some of our listeners are faced with a commander type uh, leader, how do they respond to that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, people only do what they see, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're under someone like that, first of all, uh, I would have no problem telling you to leave and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, in today's world, that's an opportunities are there. <laughs> yeah. But if you say, say it's a family business or something, which that does happen as well. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to just be, you know, what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta, oh, like you gotta that. show them. And what it looks like mm-hmm. and show them it can be successful, mm-hmm. you know, as, as people sh- see that it's more successful, yeah. they're more apt to do that. Mm-hmm. But people, you can't do what you can't, what you don't know. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if you've always done it that way and mm-hmm. you've never seen anything different, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't do it. You yeah. can't, you can't go somewhere. You don't know where it is. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think you've just got to be that to uh-huh. show, um, to show them what it can look like. And yeah. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's, you know, yeah. that's at that point, it's up to them and not to you. Right. But I think our, as our world changes and and more and more people move towards this different style of leadership, mm-hmm. um, I, and you see success from it, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's going to be the catalyst for for real change in the business world. And, yeah. it, and it's it is happening, and as it it becomes more successful, mm-hmm. um, it'll be replicated. Yeah, and I think those people who um, are experiencing that more commander type personality type, or you'll do it because I said so. Um, one thing that you can have a conversation with that person about is, is that still working for you? Sure. Because if they're yelling or beating their head up against the wall because people are leaving that organization a lot, um, one prospect that we had actually that was the situation they asked what like our turnover is incredibly high we've never seen anything like this before um two things play into that one would be the uh prior workforce uh was more loyal so they would just they would just deal with stuff because they are were raised by people who lived through the great depression so you better be thankful you have a job um where that's not true anymore. You still should be thankful you have a job, but because of the workforce shortage, you can choose what job you yeah. have. And uh, so the the when you're faced with a person who's still in that old school mentality that you can just tell people what to do and they'll do it, finding the common ground with them and saying is is something, I know that something frustrating for you is that people are just leaving all the time. You hire somebody and they're here for two weeks and they're gone and asking questions like curiosity questions. Why do you think that is? And, um, and they'll be like, because they're, they're babies and they can't handle whatever. Well, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So asking the question, 
what if we change the way we treated them? And let, are you willing to try? Because at this point, with a lot of those people, they're so frustrated with the turnover that I think they would be willing to adapt and change. Yeah, it's 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 hard to look in the mirror sometimes and admit that you know maybe I am the problem. Yeah. But until you do that, you know, self reflection um, can have self correction, right? Mm, yeah. That's the first step to it. Mm-hmm. So to to make someone do that. I shouldn't say make, you can't really make them do it. You can invite them into the conversation yeah. uh, to do that. But unless they do that, they're not going to change. And I think the, the big thing people got to realize is that we we say that people are have changed, that this generation is different. People mm-hmm. haven't changed. What they tolerate has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, They don't have to tolerate what they used to tolerate because yeah. leadership is different than it used to be. I think that's the biggest thing is understanding that people haven't changed. Kids haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, what we expect from people sometimes has changed. Mm-hmm. And when we've, uh, you know, a softening of society, which I think really is happening, mm-hmm. when you expect more, you're going to get more. But when you expect more the right way is when you get the most. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing to remember is, is people aren't people aren't different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how we treat people and what we expect and what we tolerate is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a quote out there that talks about your culture is the worst behavior you're willing to tolerate 100%, yeah. and uh, making sure that you're, I know it's hard. It feels difficult in this time frame where you're fighting for every worker to not, uh, not um, reprimand or hold people accountable um, to things, but that toxicity of having behavior that you do not want in your organization and just tolerating it because you need a warm body, that actually creates more disruption. For sure. We talked uh, when we coached back in my coaching life, we talked about in the locker room, you're going to, you're going to get what you tolerate. Mm -hmm. So you should expect what you tolerate. Mm -hmm. So when players were mad about things in the locker room that players were doing or saying, and we'd be like, well, if you tolerate that, you should expect that. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing. I think a great mm-hmm. point um, in the coaching world and the business world is, yeah, if, if you allow it to happen, you're going to get more of that. Mm-hmm. That becomes kind of the normal and that becomes your culture. And that's not intended a lot of times, but that I mean, it just as human nature is what what you allow, you're going to get more of. Mm-hmm. So when you expect more and you get more, mm-hmm. that becomes the culture. Yeah. So um, of your coaching days, did you ever have a, a bad apple in there? And how did you oh, handle yeah, that? Oh, sure. they, they all just weren't like everything you say and do is wonderful, Mr. Bosch, no, Coach Bosch. No, believe it or not, that uh, that happened. And we were wrong sometimes, you know, and uh, kids change or, you know, believe it or not, we made mistakes. What? You know, yeah. Every once in a while. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So like, so what do you do with those um people or the, that you maybe, maybe let into the, into the culture or the organization and and maybe don't quite fit and, or how do you not give up or course correct or do those things? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to that. We, uh, we always talked about, and we still talk about like in, in, in our business or in my family or in my coaching world, I I'm still coaching. Mm -hmm. There's in those entities, there's a single path that, we're going to take okay. period. Mm-hmm. We're going to set that path for the group mm-hmm. and you're either going to take it or you're not. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on the path, we're going to correct you to get on the path. Mm-hmm. And I think people, uh, everyone's different, mm-hmm. right? My kids are so different. And what one might need for a correction to get back on the path is way different than another. Okay. You know, and some of equity where they've, they've never screwed up, made a mistake, you know, and are very few mistakes. And there's a small correction getting back on the path, mm-hmm. whereas someone else just keeps screwing up and keeps screwing up and you got to really correct them, you know, in some other way. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what we did is, and uh, some people don't like that mm-hmm. where, you know, 
why did Bobby get this for a punishment and I got this? Well, that's the first time Bobby's ever screwed up and you don't go to class and you, you half-ass practice and all those things and mm-hmm. you need a different correction to get back on the path. Yeah. And ultimately, if you hold them you know, to that path mm-hmm. and either they're going to make a choice or you're going to make a choice for them that maybe this isn't the right path for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens is if you can create the culture that the path is the norm yep. where all the, the teammates or the coworkers go, dude, what are you doing? This mm-hmm. is, you're not on the path. This is the path mm-hmm. that should create a, a level of uncomfortableness mm-hmm. where they go, you know, I don't, I don't like this path. This is the wrong path. Mm-hmm. If, like, again, kind of like I was talking about earlier recruiting, if you're distinct enough on the path, they're going to weed themselves out pretty quick. It's, yeah. a, it's the same in business. And I think we've gotten, um, from our recruiting background, honestly, when we hire people, mm-hmm. we hire people more than we hire positions, yeah. you know? So we, um, we're very specific on who we hire and uh, we can train them into the position if, if we can, mm-hmm. you know, we got to make sure we hire someone that's the right person and is trainable to the position, mm-hmm. but we've got a great team because of that. Uh, so again, it's just, it's be distinct on what that path is mm-hmm. and then understand that people are are different and that they might need a different correction to get back on that path. Mm-hmm. Um, and as like at MSU, when we started improving, we got, we got those things that kids wanted. It became harder because they wanted to come for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. you had to kind of distinguish between, um, you know, we know we have the turf and we have the scholarships and we have the, the cool, you know, three uniforms and all that stuff that uh-huh. other people wanted. Mm-hmm. You had to, it was harder to, to distinguish, yeah. you know, are you coming for the, for the right reasons? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was fun. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Um, I keep coming back to something when you're talking about vision that um, I lost it right after. Now it's come back to me. So in uh, there's a Netflix series called Playbook. So it's there's five coaches that are f- featured in these five different little mini episodes. Um, and one of them is I can't remember what team she coached, but in the NCAA, she was a player, never won a championship um, as a player and then became a coach. And there was a bunch of. Um, flags on the wall like their championship from way back like let's just say in the 80s or whatever now she's in the 2020s um and they put a spotlight on where the next flag is gonna be and um she just did it nobody noticed it right away and then a a player asked about it like what's up with the spotlight and she just said that's where the next banner is going to hang and and we're going to do that so she very was distinct about what the path was and where what success looked like in that and no they pulled it off um it was really interesting to see even just the score at the end of the game because they won by quite a bit but um just being very clear this is where we're going making strategic moves to get there including in that instance finding the right talent for the right team to make that happen is that's transferable to business 100 percent for sure and i I think I look back in my uh, my coaching career and our uh, our first year at Shanley, we were really bad. I think we were one in ten or two and nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we um and Shanley had been a powerhouse previously and yeah. had some really bad years, including our first year there. Mm-hmm. But one thing uh one thing Steve Lockway, the head coach there, now the head coach at MSU, did was when uh when we lost in the playoffs, you can continue practicing mm-hmm. because the teams in the playoffs still were still practicing. Okay. So, I mean, no one did it, right? Uh-huh. Football is over. Uh-huh. But Steve wanted to change the perspective and, yeah. and say, if we were to be a playoff team still at this point, mm-hmm. here's what it would look like. Here's yeah. Here's what it would feel. 
So we we practiced and all the way up to like the state championship game okay. and talked about the things like if we were on the road is what we'd be doing. Mm-hmm. If we we're playing a state title game hmm. is what we'd be doing. And uh, it changed the kid's perspective and it got us a lot more practice time as well. And yeah. to, to like you were talking about is unless you have a perspective of um, a vision of like championship level, uh-huh. you don't think in that level. You right. don't put the things in the place mm-hmm. to, to get there and to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as you know, um, I'm not sometimes. <laughs> I was going to go there. <laughs> I set like, the bar, you know, borderline achievable. Uh-huh. Because, but if you, if you don't, um, you don't set the things in place, the uh-huh. procedures and the practices and all the stuff that will ever accomplish that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can maybe fall into it, but unless mm-hmm. you think that way, yeah. you'll, you won't set the, the standards mm-hmm. to, to achieve that. Yeah. So, I, and it started from, from those days of, yeah, like everyone was like, why the hell are you practicing still? Yours are terrible. Uh-huh. And well, it, that, it even more reason right. to practice. Exactly. Yeah. That was a huge part of it. But. That is so uh, interesting how simple yet innovative that is. Yeah. Like, that we suck so we should practice more yep and um i do distinctly remember the the time when i had to ask you so why do you do that why do you set these crazy things because we're partners in a business and when you say those things i'm like i mean in my head mathematically i can back into anything so it's fine um but also like Oh, that just feels so unattainable. And your answer was just that. If you don't start thinking that way and behaving that way, then you're never going to get there. Right. Yeah. And again, you can fail into it a little bit, but mm-hmm. if you don't have that grandiose vision, which I do for everything, and that's that's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't do the things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Your mind doesn't shift to figure out how that could be possibly achievable, even yeah. if it's barely achievable. And mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I love living in those situations and and thinking in those ways mm-hmm. of, okay, if, if this was possible, how could it be possible? Then right. you start thinking differently and and meeting people differently and yeah. you know doing things differently and and it works. So for people who are less visionary or like the players that had to come to practice for three to four yep. weeks after the playoffs were done or they were no longer playing for anything, how do you convince them? That this is like long, t- like you can cast the vision. Yeah, sure. we can think you're crazy, all of the things. How do you get them to cr- buy in, um, like real buy in, not just like, oh, I believe in you, Matt, so I'm following you and your lead here. But how do you get them to be like, no, we actually can be a championship team and or we actually can do X number of yeah. sales. You, you got to have success, you know, Um as a leader and you cast a vision and you don't accomplish anything, mm-hmm. you become a fraud pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you have small successes and you celebrate them, which I'll be the first to admit, I, I'm not great at celebrating them yep. because I expect them. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I'm self-aware enough now to where I'm, I'm trying really hard to celebrate those small wins, but that's mm-hmm. what you have to do is along the, along the way, because the, the end is so big yeah. and it's so huge. It's so hard to achieve. And like you said, that people can, can barely understand it, right. right? But if you celebrate the small wins on the along the way, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's the most important thing because that gives you credibility for the vision too. Yeah, as people say, okay, when we act this way, good things happen. I enjoy that, and mm-hmm. we celebrate it as a team. Yeah, and I'm part of something big here, and I can feel it. I can yeah. feel the thing moving and momentum going. Yeah, um, uh, that's how you do it. Is you 
you em- embrace the people in their roles, you celebrate the victories with them, mm-hmm. and you keep casting the vision over and over again of when we act this way, look what happens. Mm-hmm. And, and you give them all the credit, all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, one of the big things that we did on, again, back at MSU was when uh, I was on the radio after the games and you know, every time we won, I gave every piece of the credit to the players. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see what the defense did or the defensive line or the quarterback or it all went to those guys. When mm-hmm. we lost, we took all of the blame okay. as a coaching staff. We said, you know, um, obviously we didn't prepare them well enough. We, uh, and it could come down to players like we got to recruit better or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, but mm-hmm. without fail, uh, we took the blame for that. And I take that into the business world as well. When mm-hmm. things go well, like I will give all the credit away to the people that made that happen. And mm-hmm. when things don't go well, I look in the mirror first and say, what could I do differently to control that situation better next time so we have a different outcome? Yeah. Because that, that just gives, I guess the power back to us, yep. right? Is yeah. If we look in the mirror first and go, if I would have done X different, mm-hmm. then y, Z, y and Z would have happened. Yeah. And without that, if you blame other things outside of yourself, you mm-hmm. mind all your power is gone because you don't control other people. You don't control other situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you can control what's internal here. And if I can... I look at a situation, good or bad, and understand, you know, the equation to it. Mm-hmm. And if I control the inputs, I can control the output. Right. Like when I told the receivers and they told me the, you know, the sun was too bright. I couldn't see the ball and I couldn't catch it. I'd just be like, well, you know, I can't turn that down for you. you know? <laughs> right. So I, I yeah. actually can't. No, I don't have that power. <laughs> so you either catch it or you don't. <laughs> so what if we could do something different? That's super funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah mainly because I'm dealing with some people who are mad about lighting and I'm like, you don't complain about the sun. Right. The sun is out past 5 p.m. Right. Thank God it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. this time nice of year. This time of year. Yeah. Six months ago, it was not uh, past 5 p.m. Oh, man. Um. So what, what What was I thinking about when you were talking about that? Oh, the window in the mirror analogy. Yeah, so that's analogy. Um. There's also a book called Extreme Ownership that yep. touches on that. Um. And it is, although... When I so I have a client who's reading extreme ownership and she's she's like, Oh, it kinda it kinda sucks. Yeah. It kinda sucks. It, and, it, it, it hurts sometimes. Yeah. yeah. When when things go really bad and you're like, you wanna be like, Well, let's Sarah and you yes. but you gotta go, Oh yeah. What did I do? Yeah. You know? Cause you can only control you. So it's actually, although it might suck initially because it's an ego blow or whatever it is, um it is also freeing a hundred percent. Yeah. You can, you can feel that again, that control coming back to you mm-hmm. of, okay, this happened. And I look back and I go, well, I did this mm-hmm. and that contributed to it. That's like, Oh man, if I, if I did something different, then, mm-hmm. then that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And again, that is, and it's a freeing, it's a freeing thing. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. When I, so my big, one of my triggers for me to get angry um, and try and point the finger, even though it's just the story in my head is if, um, something goes wrong with a client where they potentially lose my trust. We had a situation with that where an email went out and too many people were CC'd sure. on it. Right. And, but I can't be mad at that person because uh, one, I rushed her into getting something done that I didn't have a conversation with just like, can you do this? So I could have done that different. And then two, I don't know that they've ever dealt with sensitive information before and, and knew that that shouldn't be shared. Like, I don't know that we've ever had that conversation. So that's all on me in a learning moment. And, and thank goodness my clients are gracious enough to allow us to, to learn. Um, but when those things happen, I'm like, 
my natural instinct is to blame other people. Um, but there's so many things. Every time something goes wrong, there's so many things or at least one thing that I could have done differently to make that not happen. Usually it's because I'm going too fast and, and God's trying to slow me down. So. Yeah, and I think that's that's so important to understand. That is almost everyone's natural tendency, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's like a, it's a learned behavior to do it differently. Yeah. And that's also the part where, you know, equity is so important because when you make a mistake then, but you've got the equity built up because you've been following the path, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people that are around you can go, yeah, that was a mistake. That's okay. Yeah. They're on the path. They made a mistake. That's going to happen. And uh-huh. we're going to support them anyway through that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where equity comes in is important. Yeah. So how do you build equity with your team members, whether that's your players or um, your team in an organization or even your clients and your and your vendors? Yeah, I think that's really simple. You just do the right thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't do the right thing, you just, you fall on the sword. You, you say it. Yeah, right? you own it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's what it is, is you build equity by by following the path yeah. of doing the right thing over mm-hmm. and over again. And I think that's probably where like I've grown the most in my life is I've, I've figured out like what my path is yeah. and I just follow the path no matter what. Mm-hmm. And there's people that have come in and out of my life that basically were like, didn't like me on that path. And I'm uh, like hundred percent okay with that because mm-hmm. they're, uh, there, there's an offense with me, you know, it's either on it, you're on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where, where it's gone is I understand who I am and what's important to me. I'm mm-hmm. going to do those things no matter what. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to waver from that. And if uh, people don't like that, that's that's okay. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I, I want to be the rock that's you know established in who I am and what I believe in. And mm-hmm. um, hopefully people can you know see that and benefit from seeing the result of, of what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, uh, one thing that I've experienced a little bit to play on that is, um, as I'm getting older, like picking my team, I, I refer yeah. to it as picking my team. Um, so, and I just think it's the most interesting, like human psychology or sociology, more like how do we interact with others? So Trigby's in preschool, right. And Kylie's in junior high. And I encourage them always to be friends with everyone, like be kind. Well, one, you should be kind to everyone, whether or not you're friends with them is different. But um, so like I'm ingraining that in these little people and then eventually you find your people. And maybe if you're not friends with everybody, you never find your people. I'm not sure what the whittling process looks like that's starting at four years old and going through until your adulthood. Um, So it's just interesting that we do that to our children and that's what society society is is like your kindergarten birthday party every boy and or girl depending on what they are in your class is invited because it's very inclusive and then as we get older and whether that's in business and or our personal life it gets more um not not like you're excluding people, but you're picking, in this case, I use the phrase, pick my team. So yeah. in business, that's the bankers that I prefer, insurance agents I prefer, attorneys I prefer, just because they have shown up and deliver time and time again. And they also get more grace, too, if yeah. they screw up, because I know that the, that was an exception to their natural behavior. Yeah, we're attracted to people that are like us. Okay. You know, so yeah. so I you kind of got to choose sometimes what you want to exude then mm-hmm. because you want to attract people that are a, you know, a certain type yeah. around you. And yeah, we are like very specific on who we work with. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's some vendors that uh, we don't work with 
Mm -hmm. it's not that they're wrong or we're right. It's mm -hmm. just that we choose to do something different, yeah. you know, and I'm not, you know, blaming them. I'm not mad at them. It's the same with people in my life. I'm not like, I'm not mad at them. I don't hate them. Yeah. I think that's the big thing that is wrong with the world right now is we, uh, we have our group of people and then we're like, we're right. You're wrong. We're smart. You're stupid. You suck. We're yeah. great. You know, yeah. it's, it, I can, we can choose to be who we want to be yeah. still in that respect for other mm -hmm. people. I mm -hmm. think that's, that's what's missing. And if you're confident enough in who you are, you can also allow people to be themselves too, mm -hmm. you know, and it, that's okay. That's the way it should be. Yeah. But yeah, picking your team is unbelievably important. You mm -hmm. become them, like mm -hmm. their characteristics become your characteristics, mm -hmm. you know, their mannerisms, what they say, their speech, their success, yeah. you know, our, our opportunities come from people. So mm -hmm. when you put the right people around yourself, that's when your opportunities grow. And yeah, yeah we're very intentional again mm -hmm. about who we hire, who we choose to work with. Mm -hmm. And it's more fun that way. Oh and yeah. Life is simpler that way. It and, is simpler that way yeah, for sure. It really is. Mm -hmm. uh, any other thoughts or parallels that you, that we didn't cover that you want to paint between coaching sports and, and leading a business? Well, I think, um, you know, the competition in sports oh, yeah. uh, is a, is a huge piece and, uh, you know, what drives some people, but we, uh, a lot of us competing against, you know, who you are today and who you can be, mm -hmm. and not just the winning piece of it. We talk about that a lot is yeah. we didn't have a lot of winning when we started. Mm -hmm. Um, so we couldn't really sell that either, yeah. but it was the growth piece. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the competition of yourself today with yourself tomorrow like you can win that all the time mm -hmm. right you cannot you can't always beat the opponent because sometimes they're just better than you yeah and it can be better at whatever that might be it might be on the football field that day or in sales that day because the other guy was 30 year salesman and you're brand new to it and that's okay mm -hmm. you know as long as you're you're growing from what you were to what you can be mm -hmm. that is the, really the game that should be played is is becoming the best you you can be mm -hmm. um very intentionally mm -hmm. and i say intentionally because there's some parts of me that I, I want to grow. There's mm -hmm. some parts of me that I don't want to grow. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I know those things and mm -hmm. I think I'm self-aware enough to understand the good parts of me and the bad parts of me and the stuff that I want to uh, increase and spotlight and the things that I, that I don't. Mm -hmm. So as a, in business and in sports world, those things are really important is you can't always be the starting quarterback, you know? Right. And I think as a leader, I always tried to value the guys that never played, that were mm -hmm. practice players as much as I did those guys, because I mean, they honest together as important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't love them any differently than the players that were on the field all the time because they were a key to the success too. And if you can, as a leader, take that in the business world of, of valuing everyone's role because it all works together. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can value the people that maybe don't have the glamorous roles that are, you know, for us, it's out in the field, they're on the job sites. Mm -hmm. um, if you can value those people as much as the ones that are getting the headlights that make the news because of a new development we're doing or whatever that is, yep. I think that's, that's invaluable as a the whole team to understand that, mm -hmm. you know, to everyone understand that we, we succeed together because of everyone's role. And if you can make the person feel valued that maybe and historically has got less value in their role. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It is very important. That's how you get the extra 10% or yeah. get yep. them over a hundred percent giving of their time or their effort really. So do you want to talk about miles as a football player too? <laughs> I mean, we might as well dog him. He's not here. Yeah. Yeah. This could be fun. <laughs> He's uh miles. The football player is same as the miles uh, business guy, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, He's a weird one and you guys know that. Yeah. But I, I, I say that in a good way because I think uh to be successful you gotta be weird. Uh -huh. You gotta be uh 
we always talk about the word extraordinary. You know, mm-hmm. there's ordinary, then there's yeah. extra yeah. ordinary. So you got to do extra to not be ordinary, which yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. Because if everyone did things the same, we just, we'd all get the same stuff, yeah. you know, and the world wouldn't change. Right. So people like, people that um, you know, do extreme stuff, you know, change the world. Mm-hmm. And then people follow them and do actually more extreme stuff. Yeah. So Miles is always like that. From the time he was, when I got to know him as a sophomore in high school, he was like devouring leadership books. Mm-hmm. And he uh, drove my wife nuts because he'd call me at 11 o'clock at night and he'd uh, have this like 15-year-old midlife crisis of, am I doing enough? Am I, am I working hard enough to, to achieve? And I'd be like, can we talk tomorrow? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to go to bed. I'm trying dude. to sleep right, right now. <laughs> I have a job. Yeah. And a coach on the side. But it, like, the, it's funny because the same conversations we had when he was 15 are the same ones we're having today, basically. Yeah. Of, Am I doing enough to achieve what I can achieve? You know, mm-hmm. and um, he's he's different. He's different that way. And as mm-hmm. a, as a quarterback, he uh, uh, for like Connor McGovern is the starting center for the Jets. Mm-hmm. His best friend. He was on the same team as Miles. Yeah. And uh, Connor's a is a hell of an athlete. Mm-hmm. And Miles is a very good athlete too. But Connor's a better athlete than yeah. Miles. But Miles can set the tone mm-hmm. of we're gonna do things this way. You know, and I don't and I don't know with without Miles and like how extreme he was and how he did things. If yeah. we would have achieved what we, what we would achieve as a team, mm-hmm. because that set the tone, set the bar, yeah. you know, it just, it raised the level of things. And, you know, we expected those things from the players, yeah. but then for him to go do it, the other guys were like, okay, if he can do it, I'm going with him to do the same thing. Yeah. It just, it raised the level of like how he did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we, uh, I think before his senior year, so it is a junior, they won a state championship. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole team was coming back basically as a senior year. And they were, they knew they were good, right? Mm-hmm. So as a coaching staff, we uh, we kind of wanted to humble those guys. Yeah. So we, uh, and they, they worked their asses off. They worked in summer in the weight room and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one conditioning session, uh, we decided we we're going to try to bury them, right? Okay. Just to humble them a little bit. Yeah. So they. Uh, like bury them in the ground. Yeah. yeah. Like, like kill them and then bury them basically. <laughs> Okay. Um, Tell me more. Well, to the edge of death. Yes. We want to, we're right. Go. We yes. Try not to get actually all the way there. Yes. So they, uh, we worked them out and they, uh, they're doing the conditioning and they're running and they just wouldn't quit. Mm-hmm. So to the, like, we wanted them to like break down, break down, yep. be tired so they could get through it. Yep. Right. It wasn't just to break them down. Mm-hmm. It was to raise the bar again, to, to break them down and get through it yeah. so they get to the next level. Yeah. But they, uh, they, they wouldn't even bend over, man. They, they, <laughs> They're like, I'm not going to show you I'm tired, coach. You can do whatever you want to me. Uh-huh. I'm not going to, there's there's no fear in my heart. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do to me. Yeah. So we got to the point where it's like, I guess I we're guess, done. I guess we'll yeah. go home then. <laughs> there's the whistle boys go inside and we're like, but that 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 itself raises the bar. Yeah. Like, these, these guys are nuts. Yeah. And, um, and it worked. They That's were awesome. they were unbelievable as, as their senior year and they yeah. won another state championship and uh, Miles and Connor were the player of the year and Gatorade player of the year and mm-hmm. got scholarships to play in college and all those things. So, yeah. you know, setting out to do things differently, um, allowed them to achieve something that, you know, maybe wasn't achievable without that. Mm-hmm. So, but again, raising that bar is a, uh, yeah, he's different. He's just a different cat. Mm-hmm. He's uh borderline nuts. And I, I love that about him mm-hmm. um, and what he wants to achieve and what he wants to do. And, you know, that vision of what is possible, uh, mm-hmm. 
That's what's great about him. He's also a pain in the ass yeah. when, he, uh, <laughs> when he calls about those things and wants to talk about them. Yes, you know? I agree. I agree. Yeah, yesterday he called me and he was running an idea by me. By me, and I said, "He's like, what's going on with you?" And I shared something that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. And he's like, "Why are you doing that?" He used some more colorful language, and I'm like, "Okay, fine. Yes, you're right. I should take my own advice that I tend to give everybody else because I'll say that to a client, but I needed it myself." So, and I think some people know this, but. In high school, Miles was never going to have a beer in his entire life. So that that changed a little bit. Too. <laughs> yeah, he's had a couple of them now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the things. All, all the, the things. things. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, Matt, for sharing a little bit about Miles and also about how coaching and leadership just are. They're so parallel. It it whether you are leading, you know, five-year-olds on a soccer field sure. and or 50-year-olds in a manufacturing plant, uh, those concepts and how we get people and influence people and really succeed are all similar. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. It's a, a parallel that goes through any leadership, mm-hmm. whether it's coaching or business or leading a family uh, or, or anything. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Thanks for tuning in.